Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, what a beautiful morning compared to some of those we've had, isn't it? I'll tell you what, the winter doesn't want to go away. They were planning on opening the boat ramps here along the Front Range March 1st. That obviously didn't happen, but get a little more of this and... uh, it won't be long, and I'm sure that I know we're going to get some cooler weather and a chance of a little snow in the week, but I think maybe we broke that cold, cold spell, and, you know, we get a wind today with some of this warm sun, and a lot of things will open up. We're going to talk about that during the course of the show today, both open water and some ice fishing opportunities, mostly up in the mountains that are left, uh, but the snow right now, too. If you're headed up into the back country, if you're headed up... Uh, up into the, um, you know, to go ice fishing, to go skiing, driving, hiking, cross-country skiing, whatever you're doing, make sure that, uh, make sure you just be so careful. There was, there's like, was like over a hundred avalanches in the last seven or eight days alone. And uh, I think there was three just on uh, yesterday that went over roads, not to mention the ones that hit I-70. So the avalanche danger, we need the snow, we need the moisture, but boy, we got a lot of it. There's some areas in the mountains that have gotten over 100 inches of snow just in the last week. So be extremely careful if you're headed up there. We will cover that. We're also going to talk some turkey hunting today. Uh, We're going to talk about some opportunities for youth and the fact of kind of the status of turkey hunting in Colorado and how good it actually really is. And we're going to talk about patterning turkey guns. So we'll have that on later today. Like I said, we'll cover both open water and ice fishing. And we're going to, oh, by the way, speaking of open water fishing, the Walleye Club has their their, uh, expo today at the Adams County Fairgrounds, and that's at noon. And you're going to have some of the best speakers uh, in the area, the best walleye fishermen in this part of the country, and some of them nationally. Um, Brad Peterson and Charlie Black were team of the year for two out of the last three years. They'll be giving presentations I know that Austin Parr is going to join us later. He'll be giving presentations. So go online, just Google the Colorado Walleye Association. That might be something you want to attend if you have any interest in walleye fishing at all. We'll talk more about it. We're also going to continue. We've been talking over the last few weeks about getting ready for open water. We've talked about soft plastic lures, how to pick them out. We had John Prockno on from uh, Pure Fishing, who's one of their mad scientists who helped design a lot of this stuff. And he went through really the basics. And by the way, you can find all this on my Facebook page at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Then we did with Ronnie Castiglione, we did one picking topwater lures. And then we did one uh, picking rods and reels, mostly for if you're only going to have a couple rods and reels and a handful of lures to fish, especially spring in Colorado. It'll tell you uh, some of the choices we would make. We're going to continue that now as we go to the phones. We're going to talk fishing line as we're joined by Hall of Fame angler. He's the host of Lake Commandos Television, and you've heard him as actually a frequent contributor on this show, and that's Steve Panaz. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning. How are you? You know, I'm doing really well. I know you just got off a World One trip, so I hope you've caught your breath. Yeah, I just got off the plane, actually, and boy, is it gorgeous here. I'll take this any day. Yeah, you. I know you flew back from Minnesota, and it was uh, it, it, it was a little brutal back there. 
yeah, we're going to have eight to 10, maybe even 12 inches of snow with rain and it's going to be blowing hard. So we're just, uh, we're, we're over, we're over snowed right now. We need, we need spring. It's uh, we need time for open water. Well, and that's, uh, you know, we had a warm spell here, Steve, in January, you and I have talked over the last few weeks and it actually got up, you know, really like in the sixties, I was having dinner on my patio and then winter came back and we've got where they're measuring the snow and the feet up in the mountains. Plus we got down on the front range and we were getting weather here that was below zero or in the single digits. And the boat ramps here were supposed to open March 1st. A lot of them. Now we have a few lakes that are open year round and a few that will open shortly, but needless to say, we didn't get to that, uh, those boat ramps opening. And some of those lakes are prime walleye lakes. And we do a lot of pre-spawn walleye fishing here, unlike Minnesota, but it's, uh, yeah, it's. I think I moved on from ice fishing about the middle of January this year, and now I haven't been able to get my mindset going. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to get on the water. It's uh, it, it's funny every year. It just kind of builds about this time of year. So when you finally get out there, it's just like nirvana. It's it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I got you on this week because I want to talk. We've been talking about getting ready for open water. We've been talking about choosing a rod and reel. We've been talking about different types of lures. We had uh, somebody I'm sure you know well, John Prockno from uh, Berkeley. Oh, yeah. Good friend, yeah. John came on, and we did a virtually, a, I think, a half hour, an hour, just on the differences in soft baits and scents and actions and colors and how to how to select the right ones. And uh, so we're trying to get people, you know, now everybody's got that bug. So you should be getting your tackle ready, your tackle boxes ready. But I think one of the things over the last few years that has really just kind of befuddled people because there are so many choice choices, and that's fishing lines, Steve. Yeah, it is. When you walk down the aisle of any bait shop, you're just kind of surrounded by different colored boxes and things. And, and then you've got to look at line color, line size, line types, and it can get confusing. But the bottom line is there's three types of line. You've got monofilament, you've got braid or super lines. And then you've got fluorocarbon, and each one plays different roles, and each one of them are all great lines, but they, they serve different roles. So you really need to understand what you want your line to do when you're making your decision. Well, you really do. I mean, I'm old enough that I can remember. I actually, and I don't laugh, but actually some of my first reels had braided Dacron on them, the old black yep. lines. I don't know if you're old. You're probably not old enough to remember that. No, but. I remember we used to, uh, as a kid, we used to have those old reels. We used to tie on big bolts and nuts and use them for sinkers because we could throw them far enough. Yeah, you couldn't <laughs> cast. The, the, the handle would turn on the bait casting reel when you cast. That's right. Yeah, That's those old right. flugers. Um but for a lot of time in my career, the only choices I had were, and I was always a monofilament Berkeley kind of guy, and my main choices were XT or XL, and then in what pound test. Boy, things have changed. Now, those are still great lines, and they're actually better than they were back then. But why don't you, let's go through the lines. Now, let's start with monofilament. Um, you and I may not even agree on where we use each of these lines because there's personal preferences, but where do you see monofilament still fitting in and where would you recommend people using it? Well, one of the things that I, when I'm looking at lines, I, I look at a couple different things, and this goes back into the general things. One of the things I look at lines, if they sink or float or are neutrally buoyant, and you've got braids that basically float, you've got monos that are sort of neutrally buoyant. They don't take things down. And then the biggest thing that I think a lot of people forget about fluorocarbon is it actually sinks. And and there's times when if you try to throw a popper on fluorocarbon, you're just not going to be able to throw it. It's going to sink the bait down. So 
So I look at that. I also look at uh, kind of the pound test that I need or what I need that the lure or the uh, line to do with the particular lures. But monofilament is really a great line. You want the limp lines for spinning reels and spin cast reels. They flow off the, the reels real well. They cast great. They've got superb knot strength. They've got built-in stretch, 26 28%, depending on some of the lines. And that's a little insurance when you get big fish on. And two, it costs pennies, pennies a, a yard to spool up. Uh, two reels probably cost you six, seven, eight bucks, and, and it's such a great value. No, I think you're absolutely right. And around here where people do a lot of uh, rainbow trout fishing, now we're blessed in this state that we have a really two-tiered fishery. We have cold water and warm water, and we have... Yep. We have good bass fishing. We have great walleye fishing. We have musky, uh, they're tiger muskies. We have excellent northern pike fishing. But then we have, you know, all the trout species and the, the char species like the big lake trout. And we just have uh, what, wipers and catfish. Yeah. Oh, it's, we have just everything here. And so it's difficult when somebody asks me if I was only going to have one rod and reel, what would I buy? And, you know, starting out in Colorado, I tell people usually take a spinning reel a medium action spinning reel and you know maybe a six and a half foot and and put maybe uh a 2000 or even a smaller a little bit smaller size reel on it and then go from there but line still becomes a question and a lot of times if they're going to be just fishing trout offshore and and they're going to be fishing a few times a year i'll recommend mono exactly for the things you mentioned for the fact that it um, it does. It is so forgiving. It forgives your mistakes. It casts easily. It's easy to tie knots. But the biggest mistake they make, Steve, is they fish the whole season putting mono on at once, or even maybe in a couple of years, and then they really get into trouble. Yeah, mono will break down after a period of years. And uh, what what I'll typically do with mono is I'll fish it for a, you know, depending on how hard it is. But if it's a month or two, I, I'll probably switch up and really. I'll fine tune it too because it's so inexpensive. If I need four pound test for a, a, a trout fishery and, and maybe I want to bump up to walleyes and I want to go to a six or eight or even 10, depending on what we're doing, uh, Mono gives you that flexibility. And it really does. And it's kind of what most people, and well, our people that we know in the industry for years, we all started with that. Let's kind of go through some of the other lines and we'll reflect back on all of them. But say you're, you know, you're, You've got a number of rods now. We all know that you and I and the guys in the industry, we have numbers of different rods, but maybe the guy's yep. just going to change up his spool or maybe he's going to do have two or three rods he does different fishing with. Tell me why you – let's start with the super lines and then fluorocarbon and tell me on the super lines, why do you decide – when do you go to a super line? Well, one of the great things about super lines, a line like Berkeley X5 or Fireline or some of those products, is they, they offer two things. One, their superior strength for their diameter. So you could put a line that may be a, a two-pound diameter, super thin, but it you know it's going to break it to eight or ten or maybe even higher. The other thing is it doesn't do is stretch. And so if you're fishing, uh, say, jigging for lake trout in, in very deep water or you're working a bass jig through heavy grass or weeds and, and you need that ability to get that fish out of there, uh, the, the, the braids are great because they can cut through the weeds and they've got great strength. But what I like about braids is it really, uh, they have great casting, uh, distance. And so thing baits like, or lines like Nanofill, I, I still love that line because you can cast so far. 
it just gives you a lot of versatility, and it's a great choice for topwater baits as well. You know, I um, have been a big fan of Fireline on my spinning reels for a long time, and I've been using some Nanofill. I got the X5 and the X9. I haven't used that. On my spinning rods, I typically have used more of a typical regular braid, like the um, Berkley braids and uh, the Trilene yep. braid type thing. Uh, you have fished a little bit with the X5 and X9 because I know you did some filming for them. How do you think yeah. they compare to what we've been using, and when would you switch to those? Well, it, what it is, they, the, they have odd numbers in the carriers. So what when somebody's braiding line, they'll say it's a four-carrier or an eight-carrier or, in these cases, five or nine-carrier. And what that means is it takes, in a five-carrier braid, it takes five strands of line, and they braid five strands of uh, individual strands of line together to make X5, or in the case of X9, they have nine strands. But the one thing to remember is when, you're, when you've got the smaller diameter strands, you lose a little bit in, in uh, abrasion resistance, but what you do gain is great uh, casting distance and line performance. And the one thing that's different between uh, X5 and uh, traditional braids is that there's a core that keeps the line very round and, and helps it keep it, its integrity. And what I found is I was shocked how well it flows off the spool when you're flipping for bass, for example. Uh, the abrasion resistance is phenomenal. It's just one of those lines that you fish all day. You never have a wind knot. You never have an issue with it binding in the spool. You never have an issue with it with overruns. And at the end of the day, you go, wow, what is this stuff? And that's kind of the experience I had the first time I fished X5. It's one of those lines that really is, uh, you know, it takes the takes the best of technology and the best of engineering and put it together in one line. And it's really the, it's really the best braid I've fished. Now, if you're going to, let's, let's go spinning versus a casting reel and just talking braids right now, we'll get into leaders and some of the other things in a minute, but when would you, I'm um, say I've got um, fire line on one of my spinning reels and I've got, the uh, the the uh, trilene braid on one of my casting reels, but I got a couple new reels and I want to spin them, uh, spool them up. What line would you go with the X5 and the X9 over the others then? Fireline's a great line. It's been it's been around for years. There's a new one out called. By the uh, way, your pictures uh, on my t- my your pictures on my TV set in the studio right now, pretending you know how to ice fish. Just so you know. <laughs> 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 that's that's funny. I uh, but I, I you know what I think I would spool up with either X9 or X5 right now. I love the performance. The difference between a Fireline and a braided line. Fireline's a fused line, and the other ones are are, are braided and fused. This one's just braided. And excuse me, the uh, I like the performance of of the, uh, the straight braids a little bit more now. I think they have uh, less body. But they perform, uh, they flow off the spools really well, and they, they've got great knot strength as well. Well, and that used to be the, the reason that the, just the braided lines, when you put them on a spinning reel, they were so limp that they were difficult to manage on a spinning reel, actually, unless until you got up into the bigger pound tests. But with the X9, you're telling me there's a core, and it really does maintain its integrity. It does, and it fishes well. 
Now, yep. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question about braided line, and then I'm ask you if you can hold while we take a quick break and come back. Then we'll do fluorocarbon, and there's a few other things I want to talk to you about. But on braided okay. line, we talked about monofilament. One of the biggest mistakes people make is they, they don't change it because it breaks down in the water. It breaks down in the sun. It breaks down in heat. Great line right out of the package, but the longer you use it or even the longer you store it in the wrong places, it can cause you tremendous problems. I've been probably almost ridiculous sometimes about how long I've left some of the super lines on a spool, just making sure it isn't frayed. What's your experience been with how often you change the super lines? You know, what's interesting. I I've got reels that has uh, some of the different lines on them, like fire lines that are three, four years old. The line really doesn't break down that much. And even if you fish it hard, you may have a stretch where you got to cut off four or five feet. But I, I, um, I've, I've found that braided line, it costs more initially to buy it, but I think long-term it's actually a better bargain in terms of straight dollars because you can fish them for so long. And uh, they do offer tremendous performance, um, you know, when, when used in the right situations. You know, I think you're absolutely right. That's exactly how I feel. I'll tell you what, Steve, can I put you on hold and come back and do a little more with you? Absolutely. I'm going to put you on hold, and we come back. I want to talk fluorocarbon, but then I also want to talk, tell people you're in town in Denver uh, this weekend where they might be able to stop by and see you. So I'm going to put you on hold. We'll be back with Steve Panaz in just a minute on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right back to the phones. We're talking to Hall of Fame angler and host of Lake Commandos Television and one of the most accomplished fishermen in North America. I give this guy a hard time a lot, but you can watch and listen to this guy and learn a lot, and that's Steve Panaz. Good morning again, Steve. Hey, Terry, how are you? I'm doing good. I have to make a quick correction. My esteemed uh, producer and wife just came in and reminded me that the uh, sun event that I talked about at Sun Power Sports is on Saturday the 16th. They are closed on Sunday the 17th. She makes sure I get it right, Steve. That's uh, my, my wife, Karen, does as well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what I want to do, I want to touch a couple points, and then I want um, I want to talk about fluorocarbon line, then I want to talk about a new product that you're here and more people can come and see you uh, today. Um, yeah. The, uh, first of all, we kind of talked about mono, and we talked about you know, super lines and how much we've used those and how much they can save us and their advantages. So where does fluorocarbon fit in? Well, fluorocarbon offers a couple different things that I really like. It, one, it's, uh, it has a refractive index, which means it bends light the same way water does. Or, and so what happens underwater is fluorocarbon virtually disappears, which helps in finesse situations. The other thing is it sinks. And there's presentations that, uh, like sinking presentations or neutrally buoyant presentations, uh, jerk baits, for example, or fishing jigs, where I really like to have that. Um, if, if you fish stick worms like the Berkeley General, uh, a lot of times I used to use braid, and, and I found that fluorocarbon would increase my catch rate by a ton. I mean, we're talking four, five, six, eight, ten times over braid, because I think what happens is with floral is it sinks along with the bait, and there's nothing up above it moving as the fish are looking up at these things falling. And the other thing I like about it is it has a brazen resistance uh, that's really good. There's a lot of musky fishermen in our neck of the woods now that are, are using uh, plural uh, leaders because of the brazen resistance. Now they're using heavy pound test, but, you know, it's a lot less visible than, say, a wire leader. The plural is one of those uh, other things, and I love the fact that it, it doesn't stretch 
as fast. It stretches as much as mono under tension, but it doesn't stretch as fast. So you've got great sensitivity with it and great hook setting. And it's it's really become my go-to line in most situations now. Yeah, and I use a lot of floral, but I'm going to admit that probably 70% of the floral I use is as a leader on a super line. A couple yep. places where I use, and by the way, the abrasion-resistant thing. I go pike fishing all over the world, and right here in Colorado, we're going to talk about some of the best pike fishing in the world here in Colorado later in the show. I almost never use a steel leader anymore, but I use uh, a different leaders with my uh but I do use uh, 100% fluorocarbon on my reels at times. One is drop shotting, and the other yep. is if I'm cast if I'm using just a casting reel at times. I still have a little trouble with uh, if I have to cast any distance with a spinning reel, then I'll definitely use a, a super line and a leader because the weight makes it cast a little more difficultly on a on a spinning reel. Yeah, the 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 biggest challenge with fluorocarbon is that the, the improvements that are being made to it and the flexibility and the and sort of the limpness has come a long way in in the last decade or more. Uh, it, but it can be a challenge to throw a heavier pound cast on spinning reels. I actually like the way it performs on on bait casters and and it's got enough body and it really performs well on bait casters. But uh, if you're looking for distance, um, yeah, I agree with you. I would go to a a floral leader. Uh, when you tie that knot, if you keep that that knot between the, the reel spool on a spinning reel and that first line guide, uh, it flows off there very well. I used to put line, you know, I used to put a leader that would end right at the uh, rod tip, and I found that uh, a longer leader is actually perform better on the cast. So I recommend uh, that your listeners try that uh, next time they put a leader on. Well, I think what, you know, we could go on for hours, but I hope we gave people some insight. And, folks, there's a place for all these lines. If you want to just keep it simple, put some mono on. But if you want to step your game up, start getting into the super lines and the fluorocarbons. They'll definitely increase your t- your your catch rate, and they'll increase your performance and the way you present your lures. Steve, before we run out of time, you are in town today. You are going to be down at the... Um, the RV show down at the stock show complex. And you're with a company, you're appearing with a company there called camp 365. Take us just a minute or two and tell us what camp 365 is. I'm really proud to be associated with these guys. Uh, They built a camper that's designed to provide all the room that you've come to expect from a camper, but it's so lightweight. It weighs under 1500 pounds, which means if you drive a, a Subaru Forester, for example, or uh, one of the smaller Toyotas or any of the small four-cylinder or six-cylinder cars, you can tow this uh, camper but still have 700 cubic feet of living space, sleep uh, for, have the, uh, you know, have the cook stove, have the heating, have the air conditioning if you want air conditioning. And, and the thing I like about it is it's, it's, its footprint when closed is only four feet wide. So you can put it in the back of the garage. It eliminates a lot of the storage issues. And uh, what I like about it, too, is it's perfect for this market. It's really ideal for taking back into public lands. If you find out that campgrounds are, are filled, uh, you can set this up on unlevel ground out in the wilderness uh, for, you know, camping trips, hunting trips. Uh, you know, it's just a phenomenal uh, camper that's really unique. It's got uh, a ton of patents on it, and it's we're just brand new to this market and we're really excited the response that we've had at the show the last few days has been tremendous i mean there were a couple times yesterday there were people 10 deep at the show and and 
it's just it's exciting stuff. Now you're headed down there because you just got off an airplane. You'll be down there. I think the show opens around ten, um, folks. Yep. I, if you go to my Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, if you scroll down a little bit, there is an interview I actually did with Kevin, who I believe is the owner. Is that right? Yeah, Kevin CEO. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He and he uh, he really got into detail. Or go to um, Camp uh, Three Six. Just Google Camp Three Sixty Five and check it out. But then when you get down there, stop by, and I'll bet you that Mr. Steve Panaz would uh, would be happy to even talk a little fishing with you. And real quick, Steve, we're actually over, but I'm going to make it up because next next segment we're going to talk turkey hunting. But I want to get in. Tell people real quick about the TV show. Yeah, uh, Lake Commandos is unique. We air on Sportsman's Channel, World Fishing Network, in Q1 right now, Sunday mornings, mountain time. I believe it's 8.30 here. Uh, but what we do is we go to lakes blind. Um, and uh, my fishing partner and I, we uh, whoever that guest is each week, we fish against each other. We pull up to a body of water. Most of the time we've never been there before. I've never even seen it in some cases. And I'll say, hey, we're fishing bass. It's May. I'm going to go to a blank blank and and and. Typically, their response is, yeah, that's a good choice, but it's uh, not going to be as good as such. And our whole goal is to show people each week how to approach bodies of water and uh, really let what the fish are telling you to, uh, you know, to do. Do we need to tweak colors? Do we need to switch baits? Do we need to slow down? And so we identify the entire decision process once we're on the water. And I think what it does, it allows people to make good decisions on the water, on their home lakes or new bodies of water, and it just becomes more effective at building patterns. We got to run, Steve, but if people want to see you, you'll be down at the RV show with Camp 365 the rest of the day, I believe. Is that right? All day, yes, and I look forward to having everybody stop by. I'd love to meet them. And if you want to know more about Steve's television show, go to the Denver Post and go to the search, search Terry Wickstrom and Steve Panaz. A great article and an interview with Steve will come up, and it'll give you a great idea about the show. My friend, as always, it's great to speak to you. We've got to get going, but uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, Privileged to be on with you. Thank you. Thanks. Steve Panaz, great guy. We're going to come back. We're going to take a break, but we're going to give lots of time to this next segment because we're going to start talking turkey, and that's turkey hunting right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phones now, and joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Mike Suaro. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, somehow when I see the sunshine, now you're, probably, you're up in the Craig area, so I don't know what it's there, but we got blue skies and sunshine here, and I was ready for it. As much as we need snow and moisture, I was ready to feel a little sunshine and perk me up. How is the weather up here? You guys have been getting a lot of snow. Yeah, we're still locked into winter, but uh, we're getting a little bit closer to spring, and yeah, I'm getting the bug, too. Yeah, well, one of the bugs I know you get when it gets close to spring are those turkeys. You're an avid turkey hunter, and uh, I know you want to talk about some opportunities, but before we even get to that, you go back 20 years, there was a hardcore group of turkey hunters in Colorado, and limited turkeys available, and a lot of those guys went out of state to hunt, but Colorado has really blossomed. There's lots of opportunities, isn't there? Yeah, our, our turkey population here in Colorado has been a pretty pretty good success story. Uh, we've done a lot of trap and transplant on, on birds um, across the state, and we got a pretty robust population all across Colorado now. And before we talk more about that, one of the things you guys do at Colorado Parks and Wildlife is you do a lot of outreach. 
Um, the, I, I said there was a hardcore group of turkey hunters back 20 years ago, and a few people would trickle in, and the joke was, how do you get started trick, turkey hunting? And the answer was, don't, it'll ruin your life because it's an obsession. But uh, all kidding aside, the calling sports tend to be like that. And Will, you and I will talk more about that in a little bit. But what a great way to get youth introduced to hunting. Uh, you know, it's kind of a cross between small game and big game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of that that next step up after after small game hunting. A pretty good a gateway hunt, you know, as you're going into to the big game stuff too. And great time of the year to be out. Usually, you're getting pretty good weather and sunny days, and and everything's coming back to life. So, a good time to be out out in the woods, and, and a good time for for youth to be out. Before we talk just more in depth about turkey hunting, you guys have some outreach. You really are interested in getting youth into the outdoors. Tell me about the outreach programs. Yeah, Colorado Parks and Wildlife has a hunter outreach um, program, and uh, we have out of each region in the state, we have a different coordinator, and we we offer a lot of different hunts. Um, up here in Northwest Colorado, uh, we do multiple different hunts. We have a, a ladies' hunt that's out of the uh, parachute country down there, and then up here out of the Craig area, um, we have a hunt out of Meeker for Youth and out of Craig for Youth, um, and those will be coming up here this spring. Um, the hunt out of Meeker will be the opening weekend at April. 12th, 13th opening, um, 12th, 13th, 14th, that opening weekend is when those dates are. Then here in Craig, we'll be doing a youth hunt uh, May 3rd through 5th. Now, how do people become eligible, or how can they sign up, or how could they see if they could take part in one of these? Yeah, absolutely. We're we're looking for for novice turkey hunters or or folks that don't have the the opportunities to, to, to get out. So that's kind of what we're looking for. But all the information on the hunts, um, you can call our Carl Parks and Wildlife. All right, I lost you there for me. You there? Yeah, can you hear me? Right? I can hear you now, Mike. There you go. Sorry about that. So all the information that they can uh, get on those youth hunts will be at our Meeker Service Center, and that's at, at 970-878-6090, and they can uh, contact the office. And uh, all we're looking for is just an essay on why they would like to do it, what their background is, and uh, we'll select six hunters for the Meeker um, youth hunt and eight hunters for up here at the Craig um, youth hunt. Really neat opportunity, private lands, lots of turkeys, uh, pretty good. We've had pretty good success and there's just a lot of opportunities to learn and turkey behavior and, and hunting techniques. Now, do they have to have their own guns and equipment? You know, we'll provide everything that, that they need. All they really have to have is a hunter ed certificate, um, uh, other than that, we, we can provide shotguns. We can help out with camo if they need it. Um, so any of the other gear that they need, we have decoys, calls, and everything else um, that you need. Um, but just the base is the hunter ed card. So we're looking for new novice hunters and uh, kind of go from there. All right, well, let's talk a little turkey hunting. We'll tell you folks about those opportunities again because I'm virtually evangelistic about getting youth outdoors. Uh, I don't know if I shared this with you in the past, Mike, but I, my mom was on a deer stand with me when I was 12 years old. So, I mean, it's the outdoors has been a grand. I think it's, it's just you do bonding and memories in the outdoors more than unparalleled by any other activity. But let's turkey hunting is special. It's kind of like the archery elk hunting. Anytime you get into the calling sports, it really does grab you and it's a different experience, isn't it? No, that's that's you hit the nail on the head right there and it is a unique experience and, and to call and have response back from from a turkey or an elk and, and get them to come in closer, there's there's nothing like it. And uh yeah, yeah, it's a really neat time of the year. 
Now you have mostly Miriams up where you are. Is that right? Yeah, so we got two different subspecies of turkeys in the state. Uh, the, the Merriam, which is more of a mountain bird, and then uh, the Rio Grande, which is out on the eastern plains along those river corridors, cottonwoods, ag field type country out that way. Um, so those are the two subspecies of, of birds we have, turkeys in Colorado. Now, um, do you approach hunting both of them very similarly? Yeah, a, a Merriam has a, a lot longer, wider range than a, than a Rio. A Rio have uh, kind of a little bit tighter home range. Um, a Merriam, those mountain birds are kind of nomadic. They'll, they'll cover a lot, a lot of country. So covering country and being mobile as far as hunting Merriams is, is a little bit better tactic than, than really pattern in a Rio pretty tight because they'll use the same, same pretty close area. Now, um, the turkey, the draw for turkeys is over, but my understanding is that there is a ton of good over-the-counter turkey hunting available in Colorado. Yeah, there is. We have a mix of, of draw units and, and over-the-counter units. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of opportunity on public land, um, for over the counter, um, turkey hunting, which you can just go buy a, a license before season and, and go out and get after it. Now, if, if I'm going to be starting turkey hunting, I, I know that the, when you hunt big game archery, for instance, scouting is so critical to get out ahead of time. Now that doesn't mean if you can't get out and scout, you shouldn't hunt. Just make sure that you do it in a way where you're not going to put yourself in a, a dangerous situation. But temper your expectations that if you haven't scouted, there's less chance of success. How important is the scouting to turkey hunting? Yeah, it is It is key, and that goes with, with any hunting. If you're elk hunting, deer hunting, you know, if you're if you're out there looking ahead of time, it's just going to help you out that much more. But but like you said, too, if you don't have till the end of season or or and you're not able to get out, there's still plenty of opportunities to go find birds. Um, you can always contact your local Colorado Parks and Wildlife Office. We, they can get you in touch with the district wildlife managers to give you good starting points, at least, um, to, to locate birds. Um, so, so we're always open to help helping guys out and giving them, giving them a direction to get started if they're interested. Now, we've had an exceptionally uh, exceptional winter across the state with a lot of snow. And you're hunting the Miriams, where is more of a mountain-based bird. Is this snowpack? I know that we're still a, over a month away. Do you see this snowpack affecting the turkey hunting? Yeah, no. Usually, we're we're melted out by the time um, turkey season starts. Um, those Miriams really like to follow the snow line, so that's a, that's another thing to kind of kind of look for if you're out Miriam hunting. Try to find that green up as it's moving up the mountain face. That's where you're going to find those those Miriams is right at that snow line as we're melting back. So uh, wherever that's at, if that's kind of a little bit, little bit lower because we've got better um, snowpack conditions, you're going to find those Merriams a little bit lower. Now, let's just say that I've never turkey hunted before and I'm brand new to Colorado. I've been here long enough. I can get a resident license. I've got my hunter certificate, my hunter safety certificate. What do I need to get started turkey hunting? What are the bare necessities? Yeah, the, the basics are, are camo, um, kind of head-to-toe camo. Birds can see uh, really, really well, um, and that's that's the main thing is when you're setting up calling, um, is being real still. So having have a camo head to toe, and I recommend a box call to start with. That's probably the easiest call to use. You're just scraping a paddle against the the edge of that box, making the the sound of a, a turkey's yelp, um, and that's that's the best way, easiest call to to use to get started. Um, and the next thing you're doing is looking for sign. A, a turkey leaves a lot on the ground as it's moving around, whether it be tracks, feathers. Dropping, so um, just getting out and starting to cover roads, 
um, any sandy, muddy areas, you're going to find tip, tracks in typically that big three-toe track. Now, the fact that you're out searching and scouting, you really aren't hunting it that way, though. You're, you're really setting up and drawing them in, not trying to stalk them, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's kind of a safety deal with turkey hunting, too. Um, you're not going to be able to stock up on a turkey to shoot it. It's just it, it sees so well and it hears so well. Um, you're calling that bird to you. And then also there's other people out in the woods calling turkeys, too. So you don't ever want to stalk a call and try to ambush a turkey. You're trying to call that bird to you. And that's the, that's the neatest part about, about the turkey hunt anyways, is that Tom's trying to come, that Tom turkey's trying to come find you um, when you're calling. Isn't that, aren't the calling sports, you know, whether it's archery or even hunting out of a deer stand with rifle or a, a stand for elk or whatever, or the calling sports like turkey, when you're in that stand trying to become one with nature and get into that animal's comfort zone, uh, you really, um, the things you see other than, even if you don't harvest an animal, the squirrels, the rabbits, the, the birds, the other things you'll see, maybe a mountain lion, it's just incredible, isn't it? It is, yeah, especially that time of the year when everything's coming back to life. You know, the robins are singing in the morning. I mean, you got you got everything coming back to life that, that time of the year, so it is. It is a really neat time of the year to, to be out. Last thing I'm going to ask you about, because we're running out of time, and that's decoys. Do I need decoys to get started? Don't have to have them. Some guys love decoys. Some guys don't. Um, when that tom turkey's coming in looking for that hen yelping, um, if he doesn't see anything, he may continue coming right into your lap, right into shotgun range. Some guys like to have decoys because it feels like it'll draw that bird in um, into that shotgun range. So you got two different scenarios and uh, every hunter is a little bit different on the turkey stuff, and and you'll learn every time you go out. Once you figure, you think you got a bird figured out, the next bird will do something different. So they're pretty smart critter for for as small as they are, and it's a pretty good challenge. Last last thing I said last was last thing, but I lied. Um, when you're learning to call, I I know with a lot of the calling sports, there's a lot of videos and and uh, sound files that you can listen to to learn. Do you do you believe in those? Do they good do a good job? Yeah, that's a great point. Just even getting online and, and listening to wild turkeys. Um, there's video clips or YouTube and just listening to the vocalizations turkey make, the cadence of their yelp, so you can kind of pattern your calls after that. That's a great way to start. And along with calling sports, if it's elk or, or turkeys or anything else, very limited. The more limited you can start with your calling, the more apt that bird's going to come in to look for you. If you overcall them, sometimes they're going to hang up just like a bull elk would hang up out there. Um, so, so you can always start with their limited calling and get more aggressive if that bird doesn't finish. But sometimes it'll take half hour, 45 minutes for, for a bird to get in your lap. Mike, we are way out of time. I do want to tell people that later on in the next hour, we're going to do a segment on shotguns for turkey and how to pattern your gun. But thank you so much. I think turkey hunting has become one of the premier activities for hunters in Colorado. And, I'm, and once again, real quick, where they find information about the youth. Yeah, so the youth hunts that we're going to offer up here, we're, we're still looking for applicants. They can call the Meeker Service Center, and they can give you all the information at 970-878-6090. And just we appreciate all the support, Terry, of CPW. All right. Thank you, Mike, and uh, thanks for joining us. I think Turkey Gun is, is awesome. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. 
If you like that uh, turkey episode, by the way, I mentioned it last segment, we are going to, uh, Colorado Clays is coming on later on in the next hour, and we're going to talk patterning your shotgun. They have a program out there where you can go pattern your gun, and they took some statistics about what type of guns, what type of chokes, what type of shot, and we're going to share some of those and what the success rates they found, because you want to make sure that you get pellets in that turkey's head. And that's what patterning's about. And we're going to take statistics this year, too, and so we can start really building a database for you guys to, to help you out. So you may want to listen into that. By the way, you got to follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. If you would have followed us, you'd have known that Hall of Fame angler Steve Panaz was going to join us in the first hour and talk fishing line. By the way, Steve is down at the RV show with the Camp 365 people today if you want to go talk to him. But you'd have known he was going to be on today because we previewed that. We also put the fishing report whenever it comes out on our uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors Facebook page. A few other things that are there. We've been doing this series on there. It's a combination of podcasts and my columns from the Denver Post on getting ready for spring. It talked about picking out different kinds of baits, picking out rods and reels. Today we did picking out the line or what are the differences in fluorocarbon, super lines, and, uh, and monofilament. And I will post that as a podcast I, Karen, does the work. I pretend. I just take credit for it. But we'll post that on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. You know, a few other things, just to give you an idea. We also, like, I did a a, a column last year on avalanche safety. And, boy, is that pertinent this year. Now, when I wrote that last year, it addressed that we hadn't had much snow all winter, and all of a sudden we were getting layers. And it talked about the avalanches then, but it talked about what you need to, how to prepare when you're going out into the mountains for an avalanche, what safety tools, what precautions, where do you check for the avalanche danger? So those are pertinent no matter what the conditions that are causing the avalanche danger are. And if you go to our Facebook page and just scroll down a few, you might have to go back a couple of weeks, but that article is there and you'll be able to read that and give you, it'll point you in the right direction for avalanche safety as you're out and about. A couple other things I want to talk about, and we'll talk about more about these as we get on with the day too, and that's the Colorado Walleye Association has their expo and banquet today. That's at the Adams County Fairgrounds. I tell you what, if... Colorado has incredible walleye fishing. We have some of the best walleye fishing in the country. Trust me, we have just tremendous. And these guys are going to tell you how to catch it. You're going to go, Austin Parr will join us later in the next hour. We'll talk about fishing and what his seminar is about. But you're going to get guys like Brad Peterson and Charlie Black will be down at the Walleye Expo. They're team of the year, two out of the last three years. I've had the privilege of sharing a boat with both these gentlemen. They are accomplished, accomplished anglers. They have so much, so much to share. So you may want to attend that. And Pheasants Forever, the South Metro chapter, has their banquet tonight. They really need to build this South Metro chapter of Pheasants Forever because of all the work they do. And Austin Parr, who's going to join us, is also going to be at that. So he'll give us some dates and times for that. Uh, we have posted all this stuff on Facebook at one time or another, so follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And also, Karen posts on our Facebook page every time she adds a new uh, program to our YouTube channel. She just added, um, I'm sure she'll be putting up pretty soon, about brook trout fishing. We're going to have one coming up on brook trout fishing. All that. So there's just so much going on. Hey, we're going to take a quick time out. Then Matt Ensley's going to join us. And I think him and I are on the same page because... 
these small ponds are going to open up really quickly. In fact, a lot of them you might be able to get on today or tomorrow and catch some fish. We're going to tell you how to do that on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.